You know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Something for the natural born killers listeners out there. Uh, hey guys, how you going? Great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, you threw Excellent. it over to us a lot quicker, than, a lot faster than I was expecting. <laughs> it's great. It's great to have you back, Malzy. Good to be here. You too, Ben. Are you feeling better? I am. I'm still a little uh, phlegmy. Oh, that's but, no good. Uh, you know, that's a uh, that's a known. Side effect of uh, it's just a, just it would just turn out to be just the flu. I Life. thought I had the Rona, but no Rona was present. Uh, just uh, the regular, average, normal, everyday flu. If you uh, missed the show last week, Ben was not at the desk. He did it over Zoom, which is where Melzi is now. Over Zoom. <laughs> we can't actually see Melzi right now, so I've got to sort of throw my hands to the screen <laughs> as a cue. And I don't know what's going what on. Am but I doing? You did miss out on some treats last week, Ben. I'm very upset. I'm very upset. Oh, oh, I was, was going to say, oh. I didn't. Oh, oh see, now like, I'm jealous. I can't believe that they. <laughs> now I'm going to uh, turn off your video. You ate them all, but you didn't. No, I, I bought those yesterday. Oh, I was going to buy some on my way here. <laughs> They're just for you, but I might dip into them too. Oh, that's very nice. Let I me, don't need to talk for the rest of the show now. Let me introduce us. <laughs> this is Good Movie Monday, and this is a podcast. We come at you every single week without fail, offering up a. I guess a special brand of nerdy cinematic ramblings. Seems like ages since we've had Malzi on the show because uh, she skipped her last episode for some kind of bullshit reason. Um, <laughs> but we've got her back now and that's all that counts. <laughs> What's news with you, Malzi? Well, still nursing a premiership hangover slash 40th birthday slash <laughs> fucking life. But um, yeah, it was, it was I, I hate to say it, but it was well worth me skipping last month. I had... <laughs> the best well it would have been the night before but it was the best day of my life Collingwood winning the AFL grand final it's not my first grand final that I've been to but it was yeah it was amazing so yeah go join a footy might have missed me but it was well worth it it's great to have you back yeah thanks good to be back so the music that's playing right now kind of alludes to the fact that our very loose theme on this episode is crime spree movies um, and that is because our special guest on this particular episode is um, a director called Sean McEwen, whose new film is American Outlaws, and it's a true crime film about a bunch of uh, siblings that go on the run and commit crime. <laughs> Rob Banks. <laughs> That's right, and stuff. Bonnie and Clyde style, but without the sex. And if his name sounds familiar, <laughs> Sean McEwen, it's because he is uh, married to Australia's one and only Tamin Sursuk, Um from mm. many things, Pretty Little Lies. and Anything. Yeah, many things. Home and Away is what I... Uh, remember her from and he's known with her because they have a very strong social media presence and i've already spoken to a couple of people about this guy and they're like oh yeah i know him he's all over my instagram and TikTok." <laughs> so um we actually had a really really fantastic chat and i can't wait to share that with everybody uh we actually hit it off and it's very rare that i have a guest say i'm coming to australia and we're gonna hang out so <laughs> he's my new bestie ben scoot over <laughs> Make room. <laughs> a, new, a new permanent co-host on the show. That's right. <laughs> Someone who actually remembers the movies he's seen. Yes, exactly right. 
But before uh, you shove that lolly in your gob, would you like to tell people what else is coming up on today's show? What do- <laughs> well, we've got uh, got the usuals. Yeah, we've got Jar- Jarrett with uh, his uh, physical media segment. We've mm-hmm. got uh, the Boneheads from Kentucky. That's right, giving us their uh, I don't know what I don't know what you'd call it. Their uh, I just call it the the Kentucky version of us. Version of us, yeah. <laughs> They're giving us their opinions on films. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have we got? And that's about it. Is that it? <laughs> we've got our, we've got a, we've got our, um, our, the question that we've asked on uh, on social media. Uh, so we'll talk about that about people's uh, favourite crime spree. Yeah, that is a new films. thing we're doing, and I do know for a fact because I have been watching the stats since our last episode. We have acquired quite a lot of new listeners. It must be one of the previous episodes that's done it, one of the guests or whatnot. But a lot of people listening now. That's what we've got for you. We do put it on social media every week now. It's a new thing that we do. We ask you a question, hoping that you'll help inform the conversation on the show. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But of course, our website is goodmoviemonday.com. It's a pretty good website. It's got all of the stuff we do. Every episode we've ever recorded, all of the videos, lots of photos, and um, and Ben's KFC diaries. That's there too. You have to find it though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an hidden. Easter egg. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Melzi is here and... Um, She's from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. Malzi, what's been going on with that? Oh, my God. Well, having just finished up October, unsurprisingly, it's been a bloody busy month. Um, We uh, had a bit of a different month. We had planned that um, we were going to be doing our usual one screening at True North, which is the second Saturday of the month um, in Coburg and um, our two, we're going to be doing two screenings at Long Play in Fitzroy North and probably a week before our Long Play screening, we got a text message saying that Long Play had actually changed and um, was closing up for October. Wow. So I messaged True North and yeah, we're like, oh, okay. um, All right. So I messaged True North and uh, pulled in some favours there and so we actually took over True North for the whole all three screenings. Okay, you've turned into a bit of a robot there, Melzi. Do the robot. Oh, have I? So if I heard you correctly, did you say that did you say that did you say that long play has closed? Changed hands. Oh, just changed hands. No, it had. It, yeah, it changed hands. So it clo- it's actually reopening tonight. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. And um, so, yeah, so we did the whole three screenings at True North. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed Cabin in the Woods. Awesome. And then had a Buffy extravaganza with a full sing-along to the musical episode, Once More the Feeling, which was one of the best nights of my entire <laughs> life. I was crying. Um, <laughs> You've had a amazing. few of those best nights of your life in the last month. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a better yeah. year for Melzi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even though I'd say it's been a pretty shit year, actually, but um, but yeah, weirdly enough, I can still yeah get those best nights ever. Um, and yeah, the whole like it was just the entire place was singing. It was so fucking busy. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And then um, yeah, so we had three screenings in through North. Long play will be back open at the end of this month, so we're back to normal. Bowie's joined Sorry, the show. Mousy's dog, <laughs> <laughs> dog, everybody. 
This is just like talking to David. Tom Matthews David. all over he again. The, he heard about <laughs> yeah. the sing-along. And he's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> sing-along, all right. Woof, woof. Why wasn't I invited to the sing-along? I mean, I bought Ben some Scooby treats, but <laughs> I didn't expect ooh, everybody ooh. to come. <laughs> awesome. So where can people find Melbourne Horror Film Society? What's it all about? How I can they called, become I members? I just called him back up. So in November, we're doing, um, so we're back at True North, uh, second Saturday, so the 11th of November. We've got one of our members, Andrew Painter. He's um, He is going to be presenting brain damage for us. And um, and then at the end of the month, we're back at Long Play and I'm going to be presenting on the 28th, Tuesday the 28th, I'm going to be presenting Bob Clark's Death Dream, oh. which Ooh. came out in 1974. Very good. I could, I could go yeah. on Bob and Clark and Marathon. You can go to our website, melbournehorrorfilmsociety.org or any of the oh, – well, I don't know. I think <laughs> we might be getting rid of Twitter, but uh, Facebook or Instagram. Sure. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, if you're not if you're not posting porn pictures, there is absolutely no point to Twitter. I feel <laughs> anymore. You get porn pictures on there. Yeah, Twitter's the only one that's oh. that's still open. Open. Well, yeah. I, I'm very well. I'm kind of in need of that in my life at the moment because <laughs> um, I I was getting like literally every twenty seconds I was getting pop ups on my work laptop Ooh. of full on porn like. All day, every day. And then I got an email from work saying, your laptop has been infected. I was like, I'm like, they're onto it. They know. So I had to trade in the laptop for a new one. I don't bloody get my little porn pop-ups anymore. Oh, did you complain? Did you ask for them to? (laughs) Can I have my laptop back? (laughs) Yeah, well, I might might have to stay on Twitter now. (laughs) I do have a question for both of you. Hmm. Last week, the show dropped... The show dropped on Monday. Hmm. Tuesday, or Monday night, technically, was Halloween. Yeah. What movies did you guys watch? Did you watch Did you watch anything? What uh, What did you watch on Halloween? Halloween's Eve. Yes. Oh, Halloween's oh, Eve. Hang on. What was it? I've got a fucking short-term <laughs> memory. Keep, keep talking while I bring it up because it's on my Facebook because well, I always do that. I think as I think I said at the end of the show, and I'm not sure if you left it in or not, I did end up watching Halloween 2. Yep. Which I hadn't mm-hmm. seen before. And it, it, oh, really? I had not seen it. Oh, and my God. The funny thing, I look, I have to say, and I kind of read a couple of reviews about Halloween 2 yep. after it. And I agree. Like, if it was made today, you would cut out all of that nonsense at the start and just tack the hospital bit on at the end of Halloween <laughs> and just make it a yep. two-and-a-half-hour <laughs> movie, and it's fine. Because really, mm. the whole beginning part of it, the only funny stuff is, the only good stuff is Donald Pleasance yeah. constantly trying to explain, I didn't let him go. I didn't <laughs> yeah. let him go. Why won't you believe <laughs> me? What is this? And the cop. Yeah. Well, he's my favorite. He's actually my favorite character in the film. He's the highway guy. I'm the only one authorized to use the radio. He's literally pointing yeah. at, you know, and he, he points the. <laughs> but did you, did you rate the movie? Oh. <laughs> it's fine. It's, like, yeah. it's probably the. the least inventive of the Halloween it's by the numbers movies yeah. yeah and it's I look I, I find it really weird in that so so many of Michael Michael Myers kills in the movie are just because he happens to have taken people by surprise yeah. like mm. there's very little mm. you know suspense and super yeah, yeah, yeah super yeah. strong so shape very stuff. different from the first one in that way and but you know but it's I think it's the beginning of the kind of idea that he's like a supernatural force mm, totally type thing and yep. and he you know he's always in the right place at the right time and he kills people before you know you don't even see a lot of the kills you don't even see mm. Mm. and then some of them you're like oh, just because you got injected in the eyeball doesn't mean you 
you die. Like what's <laughs> what's happened to the doctor mm. and the nurse? Yeah, in that scene. But I, there's plenty of movies that they pull yeah. eyeballs out and keep going. Yeah, I would look at. Look, I will say it does follow in the fine tradition of of all good. 70s and 80s slashes in there it does have it does have at least one scene of amazing nudity which uh, <laughs> are completely gratuitous yeah. which I ap- appreciate excellent well uh, I mean there's no gratuitous nudity in the one I watched I did um, Haunted Honeymoon which I spoke oh, right, about yeah. in my my countdown last week because we recommended like a lot of movies last week we did um, but yeah Haunted Honeymoon and it, it it was as good as I remember it being like it's it's much better than High Spirits, which was the other one I compared it to. Dom DeLuise plays like the um the Countess of a Castle, and uh, Gene Wilder told him to play it serious. Like you know, you are this woman. You're not a man pretending to be a woman. You are absolutely this Countess, and he does it so well. I was gonna say that <laughs> I can't believe that that Dom DeLuise is capable of not overacting. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic though. Um, yeah. So that's what I watched. What about you, Mousy? Um, well, Ruben and I have been watching um, the old Goosebumps TV series, so from the 90s. Cool. So we watched an episode, I think a double episode of that, because we went to watch the new one and, of course, put on Disney Plus and he's like, his face has just dropped and he's like, oh, oh I watched this with Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I must, and I don't ever, like, want to make you feel bad about that, but I must, my, my face also must have dropped because he was like, oh, Oh, but I didn't watch all of it. <laughs> I watched a lot of it. I watched a lot of it. About seven episodes. I think there's seven episodes. Um, and I was like, and so I was like, oh, and then I'm like, oh no, it's all right. So I looked up how I could get because I think they the '90s ones used to be on Netflix, but they're mm. not anymore. But anyway, if you just search up like episode by episode yep. on YouTube, they're all on YouTube. Um, so yeah, and we've actually been absolutely loving them. Um, and then during the day, I took Halloween. Uh, off work mm. so um i ended up watching due to your conversation last week i ended up watching um tales of halloween oh. i've had the dvd for years and i hadn't, hadn't actually seen it before so i watched that and and an episode of chucky i think the second Excellent. episode of season what three. do you know ben our show's had an influence yeah. on somebody yeah shocking <laughs> yeah. finally <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, as, as soon as I heard it mentioned a couple of times, I'm like, I've still got that sitting there. And so I watched, I think I watched a three three installments before I went for a run. So I was like putting it off, putting it off. So I watched three, went for a run, came back and finished the rest of them. It's got um, great aesthetic, like um, incredible aesthetic. Really feels like Halloween, you know, shocker. Tales of Halloween feels like Halloween. But as we know <laughs> from the Halloween movies, that's not always the case. So, yeah, very good. Mm. Excelente. Ooh. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's, before we push on, just bring Jared into the conversation and see what he's got on the cards this week. <laughs> Why not? All right. Well, it's time to get physical. Jared, I want to hear your body talk, mate. Oh, well, it's, 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 it's alive and ticking this week, thankfully, after <laughs> a good week of, I'd like to say rest, but I didn't, I didn't rest. I just worked through it. Uh, but you know, I'm on the cusp of getting some time off and I'm very excited about that. And in the interim, uh, you know, I've got some more special feature work to finish, uh, but we won't announce any of that. Although you lads spoke last week briefly about the gate two, or I should say gate two, cause there is no the before gate two. Yes. I've done the commentary for that one and I ended up getting T-Board to cash to do the commentary with me, which was amazing. That is incredible. Uh, and yeah, there's so much insight because it's it is a hugely undocumented sequel. Outside of a 
handful of articles that popped up in genre magazines when when the film was in production when it came to release you know it caught it got caught up in a a big shuffle with a studio that you know was um pretty much doing dodgy deals so and, here's a uh, question for yeah. you so you know for years that's been one of my favorite sequels like horror sequels yeah. i love yeah. that movie how do you how did you research that one because there's not a lot out there on it there's there is so little out there so that was the blessing getting Tibor involved to do the commentary with me yeah uh in terms of the commentary though i structured it so that i could talk about the trouble production and more so release history of the film yeah uh so that's pretty much the the major thing and yeah and getting the odd anecdote here and there like there was there was some stuff that i managed to get from the actors that um they couldn't disclose that they were revealing because of everything that's going on in the states at the moment with yep. SAG. Uh, so there's there's a few things that come firsthand that I can't actually acknowledge it's from them directly, which is a shame because God knows when that's going to end. It probably won't end by the time this thing releases. But yeah, it is. It's a hugely undocumented film, uh, and there is some really great stories that come out. Was from there people was there it. any tracking down of Lewis Trip? Oh yeah, I've spoken with Lewis unfortunately and do you know that lewis lives in melbourne are you serious that's yeah, why he's, he's in daniel armstrong's fucking work <laughs> yeah because um he actually is good friends with sean montague who was kid crusher yeah and yeah they'd been in correspondence for a little bit and he turned up at a kid crusher show uh i think it was just pre-pandemic maybe and yeah they sort of forged a bond and then they've collaborated on tracks that's, together and then dan armstrong's directed the videos yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I got Sean to put me in contact with Lewis, and Lewis is lovely, uh, very intelligent guy. Um, but unfortunately, the reason he's never been involved with any of the gate releases is 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 purely because he's decided that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to contribute in a capitalistic way to the releases. He doesn't mind talking about the films, although his memories, he said, you know, being forty odd years on almost. Uh, are fairly vague but uh, yeah he prefers not to sort of talk about them but he, he's very proud of them wow. uh, so it was a damn shame that yeah. uh, I mean yeah because I was I really wanted to get him for the commentary I would love to have shot an interview with him he'd make a uh, killing at conventions yeah. I know absolutely but yeah he's living here in Melbourne he's been living in Australia for almost a decade now was living in New South Wales then moved to Melbourne probably about seven years ago so and he's lived through the pandemic here uh, but yeah, so it's so bizarre to think that he's here in Australia and well, to put, put everyone's mind at ease, <laughs> he's, uh, according, you know, IMDB lists him is in Detroit rock city and he is 100% confirmed. He is absolutely not in that movie <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> he said, look, if I'm in it, I don't remember doing it, but I'd long left acting by the time that that film had happened. Wow. Well, Lewis, uh, if, yeah. if this gets to you, there is a seat here at the desk. We would love to have you on the show to... <laughs> Hang out well, there's and... there's a very good chance because this is not done, you know, for a capital gain sort of. There's you know, so there's <laughs> no. uh, you know, I, I will put you in touch with him and and see. <laughs> there's no uh, gain at all. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You <laughs> hear that, sponsors? I am curious. <laughs> I am curious because uh, you're you're doing just gate two. You're doing gate. Yeah, because. No, I do cover a bit of the gate on the gate two commentary, and I certainly talk to Tibor about it, mainly about things that aren't sort of discussed, you know, really about the release and how he sort of took it because it was a surprise hit, the first film, massive surprise hit. 
so we yeah. do touch on that and then there are parallels between the two films that we talk about because i mean they actually shot gate two in the very same street they shot the gate and although you know the the house isn't quite the same it's a neighboring property and yeah. yeah anyway so there's a lot of good stuff on the track uh but yeah we do touch on the gate a little but i mean the gate release is stacked because it ports everything that was on the vestron release in the states as well as the sequel porting the very little content that was on the scream factory release yeah, right. i mean it yeah i just don't understand how it doesn't get more love and before we it's before we move on, on the gate was there any talk with tibor about whether there was ever a gate three coming look that we did discuss it because there was multiple gate projects that popped up at different points in time he wasn't really directly involved with any of them mm. one of them was with randy cook who was the special effects uh designer for both films and at a point in time he was working on a third film but it kind of came and went within the space of a month it got announced in the trades and then he wasn't happy with the script and then it pretty much died gotcha. then of course there we talked briefly about the alex winter uh gate 3d project that was going to happen in germany and uh i told him that uh alex winter had any, actually never seen gate 2. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty funny um there's, there's some really good stuff too because i share a few anecdotes with him of things that he had no uh no awareness of uh related to some of what the actors have said since then uh but yeah anyway it's all cool. in the track it's great Yep. I guess I better tell you about what's coming out this week on Home Entertainment. Unfortunately, it is not Gate Gate Two. That's not coming out till mid December, <laughs> so you're gonna have to you have to wait a little longer for that one. But there is a huge release coming out this week, and pretty much this is the big release for the week. And I feel like all the other distros didn't want to go up against it because they know it's the one that's going to be taking the shelf space and consumers' dollars. And it's Barbie, and it's coming out in 4K, Blu-ray, and DVD. Coming out through Roadshow from the Warner catalog, and it's a bit of a lackluster edition in my opinion there's only six featurettes on it and i actually think this would be a film that i would like to listen to a commentary mm -hmm. from Greta gerwig on and possibly with margot robbie and they could even have uh gosling there ryan gosling and maybe he just says very little throughout the commentary so they can just keep him in his place <laughs> but yeah it's a shame and i don't i don't see them double dipping with a like fantastic special edition of this one but i look there is a retailer out there that's getting a steelbook, so at least there is a nice deluxe 4K package. I can't help but think too that a major chunk of like the demographic after that one are not interested in many of the features. Absolutely. I mean, but the beauty is at least it's getting a 4K because this is a film that's going to pop in 4K with Dolby Vision. And the Dolby Atmos, again, guys, it's on the Blu-ray and it's on the 4K, so you don't need to get the 4K if you, you know, don't want that uptick in quality and get the Blu-ray and get that Atmos track on there. Yep. Anyway, that's the key um, massive release for the week. Has, has anyone floated the idea of doing it in a double pack with Oppenheimer? That, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Oppenheimer is... That, is, is it it that one has been announced just in the last couple of weeks. It was one of those ones that they kept under wraps for quite some time. It's coming out November 22nd. So, yeah, look, let's see. Maybe, maybe they can release a double pack down the track. Or at least do uh, the Deadpool style slipcases where they kind of cross over. Yeah, that that would yeah, be clever. Cool. That'd be clever. I mean, one's obviously universe, the other one's roadshow, so probably unlikely locally, but who yeah, knows? They, overseas. They, they complemented each other. Both studios benefited totally. from that. So every everyone yeah. won. The only one that lost was that movie Cobweb that released in the US on the same day, Lionsgate. <laughs> anyway, so the other release that's coming out this week that's worth speaking about 
not not a massive release but it's from mad minutes coming out on blu-ray and dvd and it's called it lives inside and this is like an american indian co-production played all the festivals i haven't had an opportunity to check it out but mad men did give it a wide theatrical back in september uh, so I'm quite keen to check it out. I'm really happy to actually doing a Blu-ray release of this one locally as well. Yeah, I read an interview with the director of that one recently and he's very, very much um, 80s horror uh, focused and that's where he takes a lot of his inspiration from. So yeah, could be Excellent. a nostalgic little um, Indian-infused you know, freak show. Yeah, well, it's, it's got great reviews, so I'm, I'm definitely keen to check it out. The other one I do want to mention, and I only want to mention it, it is on the inferior format. The only reason I'm mentioning it is pretty much to tell people not to go out and buy it <laughs> because they're being released, these two films that are being released in the double pack are being released individually a week later on Blu-ray locally. So go figure. But anyway, it's The Wraith and The Arrival are coming out in the DVD double pack from Viavision. But literally next week, they're going to be coming out individually yeah. on Blu-ray in full-pledged special edition. So don't get too like excited that. that these are getting released at all because there's... there's yeah, don't don't even don't even walk in there and say, God, I'd love to watch that this weekend. Just wait yeah. a week longer and get the get the nice, beautiful Blu-ray release. And the Wraith release, again, is a basically, you know, a port of the US Vestron release. So it's got all the special feature content and it is a pretty stacked release. So if you haven't got the Vestron release, definitely it's pick up the It's essential for any respectable collection. Absolutely. And you can go He's back to one of... Well, absolutely. Not Clint that... Howard? <laughs> no, yeah. not Charlie Shane, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. I'm not watching uh, the... yeah. <laughs> the only other thing I want to mention, gentlemen, is another bit of bit of news, and it's from the Viavision front. And I don't know if this one might get a rise out of you guys or not, but Viavision are releasing a Three Ninjas quadrilogy pack in January. And I think this might be the first time globally that all four Three Ninja films have been combined because we did have the triple pack in Australia, but it was Sans Three Ninjas. And when I used to work back in retail, I remember customers coming in, always requesting Three Ninjas and going, we have this lovely triple pack of Three Ninjas Kickback and uh, Three Ninjas Knuckle Up and Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain featuring yep. Hulk Hogan. Yep. And they're like, no, I just want the first one. You're like, oh, no, it's not available. And that was because I think it was <laughs> under global distribution from Disney yeah. for quite some time. But now, obviously, it's no longer and it's going to be included in a quadrilogy pack. So this is, I like the first film. Admittedly, you know, the second one was very average and I never followed through on the last two, although I probably should have watched the fourth one because it's got Hulk Hogan and I love Hulk Hogan in movies. When are we going to do the Hulk Hogan mag- marathon? Soon, next year, yeah. next year, next year. I'm, I'm all keen. I'm keen for a, for a, uh, for a Hulk Hogan. We should do a, a Good Movie Monday special and just yeah. binge all those Hulk Hogan movies. I've Absolutely. got a lot of them on video. Suburban Commando. I've got that on DVD. We can even and watch it in widescreen. I've got, the, I've got the, the, the. I'm waiting for his new movie. He's got, isn't, isn't his new movie like Daddy Daughter Day Trip? <laughs> Is that? Oh, I thought you were talking about the one he made with his wife. No, he's, he's very. Um, it's very funny when it comes to his daughter. If you look at photos and videos. Oh, okay. That sounds uncomfortable. Okay. Um, well, she, did did like he suck her toe? Like was, that, was that the thing? Oh, I think I do recall seeing something about that now. He's something always got his that... hand on her ass and stuff like that. Oh, that's very unusual. Very unusual. <laughs> not for Hulk stuff. Hogan, it's not. <laughs> no, well, I guess not. But anyway, gentlemen, that's all I've got for you this week. So, as always, I'm going to count us down from three, <laughs> two, 
stay physical, stay physical. physical. but yet we still couldn't do it we couldn't do it until next time gentlemen we'll do it next stay time physical. <laughs> <laughs>
And I watched it, and what a what a cracker of a film! It's a really good one. So it's Bobcat Goldthwait directed, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, starring Joel Murray, my f- now possibly my favourite <laughs> Murray brother. He's the Murray brother from Mad Men, if that helps anyone out there. Who in Mad Men he pisses himself, he gets so drunk he pisses himself, which is a great slash alarming scene because you think he's having a stroke. Yeah, uh, but it's great, it, and uh, I think uh, Maddie Hassan who who pops up in things like Malignant and stuff like that, has a, has a bit part in it, mm-hmm. uh, as does the... Um, I can never remember the guy's name, but he's in a bunch of stuff. And he's only in it for two seconds in that scene. Is it one scene when they're in the cinema and there are teens talking behind them and talking on their phone? <laughs> yeah. And then there's this another old guy who's... Like an older guy who's kind of sitting in the row in front of them who's also talking on his phone, telling his, wife, his ex, obviously his ex-wife, that... He can't pick up their kid because he's uh, flat out at work and he's working and he's clearly just sitting in the cinema, <laughs> just being an asshole. Yeah. Um, and that guy is in, like, he's in a, a boatload of stuff. But in one movie, he plays like this. He, he's like the contract killer who comes into the cop shop. I think it's that Frank Grillo. Hmm. What's that Frank Grillo movie where they arrest him and he's uh, wanted by the? And I think Gerard Butler is in it as well. Oh yeah. Um. Not lost it. It's not Laura Biden Citizen. No no, 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 no. It's not that one. It's because nah. Frank Grillo's. I don't no. think Frank Grillo's in that one. But they they're kind of kept in cells, and he's like a Frank Grillo is like the mob accountant who's kind of turned. And uh, so there's a hit put out him, and but there's a great scene where this guy comes in, and he's like a, uh, Candy Graham kind of delivery guy, <laughs> and when the fat cop, <laughs> the fat cop at the desk. Like, uh, it's like, oh, let me just uh, have a look. And he kind of shoots him in the, he stabs him in the back of the head. But it's just this amazing kind of scene because the guy, like, he's like, he kind of talks to the corpse, like, oh, oh, what are you, what's <laughs> happening? Because he doesn't die straight away. Yeah, he yeah. keeps kind of wandering around the the thing. It's just this great, whoever that guy is, I can't remember his name. Well, maybe that could be a, the question for next week's Facebook. <laughs> who's that Who's that guy? Well, that could be the game. Like, what, I think he might be. Um, <laughs> name the things Ben forgot. I think he might be. Um, uh, Sparks Nevada Marshall on Mars. I'm not sure if that <laughs> if if that means anything to you. If you're a no, fan of that, no. that uh, beyond be- the beyond is it beyond belief um, podcast. You just, no, you're talking like foreign language right now. It's all gibberish, <laughs> mate. What about you, Mal? Did you have any favourite um, crime spree well, movies? I mean, I mean, guess Scream would be a crime spree movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, like all of those sort of like Scream, Friday the Thirteenth, yeah. things like that. Um, what about Titan? Titan, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, she's yeah. she's kind of she like a serial killer type of thing. Yep. Yeah, I loved that film. So that Julia was... DeCornow, um, twenty twenty one. It's like I I spent the entire time watching it, being stressed out of my mind, worrying <laughs> that it was going to go in a certain direction. Yep. Which I was very, very because any sort of family dynamics really sort of stressed me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was worried that it was going to go a certain way and it didn't go that certain way. And I'm like, and I haven't watched it a second time yet, but I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait to watch it a second time and not be so stressed about it. Now I know that, no, it's not going to go. I mean, it's, it's fucked up. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's actually beautiful. It's actually a beautiful story and the relationship that ends up forming in it. Um yeah, didn't know if it was going to go to wrong town, but it doesn't really go to. It ends yep. up just being, a, yeah, ends up being a beautiful relationship in there. But I mean, 
with someone with it who was a serial killer and blah blah blah. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have even um, thought two of that lost one. souls yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, end up finding each other, and um, yeah, I really loved that movie. Um, I mean, the big one—the big one is obviously Badlands. That's yeah, the, Badlands that's for the, sure. Devil's the Rejects. Kind of, yep. Yeah. Um, but some, I, I actually I loved crime spree movies and kill spree movies when I was a teenager, and a couple of my favorite ones was the Honeymoon Killers. Yeah, which Tony Lubienko. Yep, which was like sixty some sixty eight or something like that. Black and white kind yep, of uh, yeah. real art by choice. Film. Yeah, by Not, choice. Uh, Color was <laughs> well and truly right. around at the time. It is kind of um, natural born killers for that era. That yeah, movie. but it's very much a kind of hounds of love mm-hmm. type. Yep, you know, type thing where hundred percent. You know, they they do this thing and then one gets jealous, so they kill the victim and then yep. move on to the next one kind of thing. And and very badlandy as well as yeah. well the way it's structured. Uh, the other one was Swoon. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's no. it's considered to be one of the early LGBT movies, and it was all about the Leopold and Loeb murders, which is the two gay guys that kidnapped a, a boy and murdered him, and went on a bit of a crime right. spree. It's a fantastic. What about movie. Uh, Fun? Fun. Do you remember that one with Alicia Witt and Renee? It's not really a. Cri- I guess it's not really a crime spree because they killed the old woman in the. Vaguely in the house. Do you remember Vaguely. that? Do you remember oh. it was it was a big deal on? It was like a nineties art house movie. So Alicia Witt was mm. probably st- straight out of Sybil. Okay, maybe you know around the four rooms time. I, mean, and, I don't know it, but I probably would if I know that if I see the VHS cover. It's Renee, Renee, someone. She's the she's Trisha from um, the sex the sex. Uh, therapist kind of writer from Mallrats. Oh, okay. Who, who you know has sex with all of the guys and, and <laughs> then you know writes about all of the weird stuff that they do. Um, Renee Humphreys, right? And she's in Sex Monster as well, okay. the Mike Binder movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was you know, but that's, it's two girls who kind of and that 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 that. Um, I'm not sure if what it's based if it's based on true story, mm. but I'm not sure if that's the true story that there's a lot of those ones where these two friends. Mm. And anything that threatens well, their that's relationship, kind of, they it's kind of like Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are based on the same true story, but yeah, they're yeah. apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what about Perfect World, the Kevin Costner film with um, Clint Eastwood? Yeah, with the little kid. Yeah, that's a great yeah. one. The the kid and and the and Kevin Costner go on a crime spree. Yeah, fantastic. But it's like a justify. It's almost like a justifiable one, kind of. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't take much um, for. Uh, what about? To, uh, now I always struggle with how to say this, but uh, uh, Prevenge or Prevenge. The pregnancy one? Yeah, Alice Lowe. She... Haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. I screened it back when I was pregnant. Um, uh, 20, <laughs> uh, 26, I did a pregnancy horror. Um, I remember you telling me. Quartet of, of, of screenings and the did... last one ended up, I was actually um, in labour. But Oh, my God, I was going to say, didn't that fuck you up? No, <laughs> maybe fuck Ruben up. But, yeah, that's, that's that's yet to be seen. Um, actually, fuck Bowie up. Well, no, the giving birth fucked Bowie up because he was like, and now he's still sitting here watching me he now. He's, probably, he's still <laughs> he's still traumatized. From he made a meal of the placenta. He's like, what's going on now? What's going on here? Um, Alice Lowe um uh, directed it and wrote it and starred in it, and um, she goes on a um on a payback like killing spree mm. um, and it's funny but dark and yeah it's really awesome fun fact about Alice Lowe and I'm kicking myself <laughs> but when I went to Fantastic Fest for the first time which I in 2014 which I think she was there for Prevenge mm. 
she was staying in the hotel room next to me. <laughs> and what? at that stage, it had been a long time since I'd seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. <laughs> and so I didn't really know. I knew yeah. that she was Alice Lowe, but that didn't really mean anything to me. Yeah. yeah Do you have yeah, joining yeah. doors? Do you have joining doors? No, no, no. Oh. no. But I, I kick it myself now. <laughs> I go every, almost every morning, I would see her. Just didn't say oh anything. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, at the home, at the homestay of all places, the homestay in, in Austin, Texas. Hey, I'll just throw one more into the mix before we push on. Um, the Purge, I think, is their crime spree movies. Yeah. They certainly are. You know, The Purge, the entire franchise is a franchise I really desperately would love to embrace and get into, and I do it every year. I try, and I can never get very far. It just doesn't do it for me. I look. I saw Purge. Anarchy first. Yeah, which I think is the best one. And yeah, that one really did it for me. And then I went back and watched The Purge and God Bless the Purge, God Bless America. Is that what yeah, the last like one's called? Four, four or five or something. Yeah. And three. But number two is the one I, I keep coming back to. Yeah. And I can't get past that. I go to number three and it just gets really silly. Yeah. Then I went to the first Purge, which is the prequel one, and that's really silly. I just I can't do it, but <laughs> it is definitely a crime spree movie. Crime spree movie. Yeah, yeah. The movie I was talking about. Uh, before was Cop Shop, Joe Carnahan's Cop Shop. Of course, yes. And it's Toby Huss uh, is the guy. He was He's not uh, Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, um, that's someone else. Brilliant. Do you have any more, Malzi, or should we move it on? Nah, I reckon. Oh, it's Zodiac. That was that was another one that I was Yeah, I guess any say. serial killer kind of movie yeah. like that. Um, Zodiac is a banger. I do have yeah. like a, it's, you know, going through that um, Tubi thing. <laughs> I, I just, as I always do when I'm I on Tubi. Tubi. It's free. It's free. Oh. It's great. It's got ads, but yeah. uh, sometimes manageable. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. yeah. It's like like the um, the Samsung TV channels. <laughs> like they don't have the ads. They just they still make you take the break. But they're like, we don't have an ad here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. there should be one. Just hang so tight. You just wait. <laughs> but um, I just I end up just adding a whole ton of stuff to my watch list and copycat. Yeah. For some reason, copycat, yeah. which is yeah. a you know a big budget was a. Yeah, it was an A it release. It was a copycat movie. It was Is like that a, the, a seven the Harry clone. Potter Jr. one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just still remember from the trailer, him licking that knife yeah. was so <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I haven't seen that movie in years and it's on the, it's on Tubi. And I'm like, well, I think I must have added it to my watch list like three times just in case it wasn't already there. <laughs> like, just, I went, oh, I'll add this. Oh, I've just unadded it because I've added it like, just <laughs> ten minutes ago. Well, because you added it, I'm going to add it. Yeah, it makes me the copy. We should do it. We should do a uh, watch a, party. Yeah, watch party for um, copycat right. on uh, what's that service, uh, Mel? Uh, oh, on the Discord. On the Discord. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot to bring up the Discord. The Melbourne Horror Film Society has a Discord. If you would like to join, just contact us on any of our <laughs> socials or email. <laughs> Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James Comment il vécu Comment il est mort Ça vous a plu, hein Vous en demandez encore Eh bien, écoutez l'histoire de Bonnie and Clyde. Alors voilà, Clyde a une petite amie. Elle est belle et son prénom c'est Bonnie. A eux deux ils forment le gang Barrow. Leur nom Bonnie Parker et Clyde Barrow. Bonnie. 
j'ai connu Clyde autrefois C'était un gars loyal, honnête et droit Il faut croire que c'est la société Qui m'a définitivement abîmé Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Qu'est-ce qu'on n'a pas écrit sur elle et moi On prétend que nous tuons de sang-froid C'est pas drôle mais on est bien obligé De faire taire celui qui se met à gueuler Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Chaque fois qu'un policeman se fait buter Qu'un garage ou qu'une banque se fait braquer Pour la police ça ne fait pas de mystère C'est signé Clyde Barrow Bunny Parker Bunny and Clyde Bunny and Clyde Chaque fois qu'on essaie de se ranger De s'installer tranquille dans un meublé Dans les trois jours, voilà le tac-tac-tac Des mitraillettes qui reviennent à l'attaque Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Ces quatre nous tomberons ensemble. Moi je m'en fous, c'est pour Bonnie que je tremble. Quelle importance qu'il me fasse la peau. Moi Bonnie, je tremble pour Clyde Barrow. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. Il ne pouvait plus s'en sortir La seule solution c'était mourir Mais plus d'un les a suivis en enfer Quand sont morts Barrow et Bonnie Parker Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde just heard Bonnie and Clyde, a song selected by Benjamin Button over there. With, uh, by uh, Serge, Serge <laughs> Gainsbourg and Bridget Bardot. Yeah, that's a, that's a cracker. Isn't it? It is. And I love that movie. It's a great movie. Mm. I, I like the stories behind it, especially like the premiere and stuff. Uh, well, tell us, tell us. Oh, that was the, you know, <laughs> Warren Beatty went to tech check the movie before the, the preview <laughs> and they played the movie in the... The sound, all the gunshots were muted. They'd spent a lot of time getting the gunshots right. And he goes up to the technician and he goes, oh, yeah, they were like really kind of over the top and stuff. So I, I <laughs> turned it down and I fixed it all for you. So so it plays right. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was furious. You know, that'd be a real stomach drop moment, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I wonder if that happened in American Outlaws. 
Don't know. I should have asked the director. This is the part of the show I've been really looking forward to. I want everyone to listen to this conversation because he's such a cool guy. Wants to hang out with me, man. <laughs> you just can't get over that, can you? I you can't. Just, it's like Glenn's found a friend. He's <laughs> <laughs> just so excited. That's right. Um, Take anything out of this episode. Take that out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is to say? This movie, American Outlaws, it's the true story of a sibling gang called the Doherty Gang, um, like I said before, went on a nationwide crime spree, were chased by the FBI. It's very much Devil's Rejects without the grotesque horror. Um, also notable for being Treat Williams' final film. Mm. And we talk about that as well, and he's really good in it. And it's very haunting when you hear some of his final lines in the film. It's, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. that's a bit sad. But it is out on DVD now, I believe, uh, only a matter of time before it hits the stream- streaming platforms as well. So I do hope everyone tracks it down, has a look. That's that through our friends at Eagle Entertainment. It, it is indeed. So here you go. Have some of this. So like, it's great to be chatting with you. So thank you for making time. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. This is um this is a great film. I, I um, was blindsided by this. I, I actually did a blind watch. I didn't know anything about it. Just went in and... That makes two of us. I didn't know anything about it either. (laughs) I'm just just getting to know it myself. I was so impressed. Like, congrats. It's great. Oh, it means a lot that you'd watch it. And thanks for helping to, you know, even have this on here and support. I mean, because not to sound cheesy, I know everybody knows this, but, you know, you make an indie film. And, you know, we had our own tentacles to it because it's based on a true story and all that. But, you know, it takes a village. You need, like, you know, that support to get it out there and hopefully tell cool stories and share. So thank you so much. That means a lot. No, pleasure. Um, it's obviously based on a true story. Can you maybe just tell our audience uh, what it's based on and why you felt compelled to turn it into a film? Yeah, so, it, you know, it's it's called American Outlaws and it's, um, it is a, a fairly, like, American-centric story, although I think a lot of the themes are, are fairly universal, which I think makes it kind of cool. But, yeah, I mean, I can remember it was over a, about a decade ago. It was in the news cycles. It was these three siblings that went on this cross-country crime spree and it had a kind of all the salacious bells and whistles of like, you know, the, the sister was like a former stripper now toting an AK-47 and they're like robbing banks and getting shootouts with the cops and stuff. But at the end of the day, and I think this is what really compelled me and drew me in was the story really felt like it was about family because there's a lot more. Once you started digging in and got past the kind of soundbitey aspect of it all, that it was, you know, th- there was much more to the story um, as per usual in that. But, you know, Glenn, as news cycles go, um, and the story was out there and it was like all in the zeitgeist for like the seven, eight days that it was occurring. And then it just kind of fizzles into the next thing. And um, so I do, I remember kind of filing it away a bit, but then uh, I had a, a, a colleague share with me this beautifully written uh, by this great journal named uh, Kathy Doby, who wrote this for the uh, GQ magazine, this, this article based on this. And the way that she actually laid it out, she'd done a lot of research and she got to know the real siblings is it, it came across very cinematic in the, mm. in the writing of it, in the communication of it. And um, that really pulled me in. And, and next thing you know, like myself and my, my business partners on it, we were like, man, there's like a film here. And long story short, it then took me down the rabbit hole. Of like, okay, I got the rights to the article, but then it was like, I need to go connect with the real siblings. I'm not giving too much away. They're, they're each um, serving, I guess I'm giving a lot away in this, but <laughs> serving 35 years of peace in uh, three separate federal prisons. So next thing you know, I'm, communicating with them and writing them and doing phone calls and that's a whole effort in and of itself because of the situation but I eventually went down and met with each of them individually in those 
federal prisons and that was a whole experience itself and it just goes to show like these things definitely take you um, these these journeys in the filmmaking process can take you to some pretty weird and extraordinary places but um but that just opened up the whole thing and then we really got deep in the development of it all that's incredible i've read that article and you're right it is really a blueprint isn't it like it was really so well written and, and articulated and and fleshed out but i'm wondering like because to us in australia and I, I guess other places in the world this sort of story of the Doty gang is very much etched in American law. Like we you know we've seen these sort of stories before. What was your intention making this film? Like what did you want audiences to take away from it? I, I think like, yeah, I think I've always, uh, you know, had my own fondness for that kind of like go West, very Americana kind of story. Um, it does hearken to the, and, and forgive the high pollutant comparisons, but like the, the Bonnie and Clyde type mm -hmm. of storytelling even more recently, the hell or high water type stuff. And um, and it does, it's really woven in the tapestry of that sort of American experience. I think for this one in particular was the two things. It was one that even in a different way that some of those movies might've been, but it was it was really rooted in these interpersonal relationships and specifically that these this sibling bond that these characters had. And I think also not to politicize anything, Glenn, but currently with the state of affairs in the world from a geopolitical standpoint, but specifically in the United States, I mean, you know, I think arguably, and most people would agree this, it's a very divided country. The mm -hmm. United States is very divided. And you have like a, a, a huge swath of the population that feels very underrepresented, unrealized, not listened to. And again, not to politicize anything, but with that comes a frustration and a brewing frustration about like, look, I have a voice too, and I'm not being heard. And I think in a way, these kids uh, were kind of byproducts of that, mm -hmm. you know, experience. And from that, you know, not to say it justifies any of the actions or activity, of course it does not, but you start to understand like, wow, there's a systemic problem here. And through that systemic problem, you know, we as a society need to be aware of that and should be aware of what the cause of a lot of these, these problems are. And, and then on top of it, I, I personally am always attracted to, and I think audiences have really come to almost embrace this as kind of the nomenclature, kind of the, the norm, but the uh the fact of these sort of like um morally ambiguous characters mm -hmm. you know these people that are not look like they, they may have done not the greatest things in the world um made bad choices but they're they are flawed they're, they're tragically flawed but maybe there's some sort of understanding or maybe we can explore that and what were the circumstances that caused them to make the decisions in these choices that they had not to justify again the actions and choices but to try to understand everything around that and i think that became a really fascinating, um, you know, aspect of the journey in and of itself. Hundred percent. I feel like there's um, there's a lot of these films starting to bubble up to the surface that really ask the audience to look at their own morality, to look at their own humanity, and this is definitely one of them. But at the same time, it's it's a slice of entertainment, and it is very entertaining. And you know, some similar movies just to you know draw the audience in if they've never heard of it. You know, you go right back to Badlands and Bonnie and Clyde even Absolutely. natural born killers and devil's rejects um as a creative where did you draw your influences from like to make this as much a piece of entertainment as it is a an important story i think all of that i mean you never want to think that there's a glorification of any of these things but there is something about that like i, I go back to that statement that's sort of um you know go west young man go west young woman like a freedom uh, they're a big one of the big themes about this is like they're kind of um uh, uh, idealized but askew uh, uh, understanding, interpretation, and uh, desire to find freedom mm. and to understand what that is. So when you put yourself as an audience member in that place, it's like, what would it be like to just like 
you know, buck the system and get on the road and go, you know, what they did is they took their road atlas and threw all the cell phones out the window and the credit cards out the window and they went just like their granddaddy taught them to do and they went to the deep, dirty south of it all and got off the beaten path and they kind of discovered the undiscovered country through mm -hmm. their experience and all those things, there's almost a romanticism to it because you're, it's like you're taking the bull by the horns and you're Jack Kerouacking it and you're just going for it, you know? And I think that was really appealing. And then look, you know, again, it's not about the violence of it, but there is something about like people taking control of their own destiny. And again, mm -hmm. it's askew. There's no justification for it. People, while they didn't get hurt, obviously could have, that's a horrible thing. But there's something that, you know, again, it sparks something. It sparks and triggers something, I think, from our own perspective as Americans, as humans, as mm -hmm. moviegoers. And I think there's something very intriguing about that and going, man, what'd it be like to just take control of my life? They went way extreme with that or attempted to, yeah. but to just, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, be led by my own devices and go for it, you know? And I think that, that to me was, I was really interested in exploring that space. Yeah, it's complex too, because they are lost within themselves as they travel as well. So I'm gonna circle back to the logistics of, you know, the cross country element of the film, but I just wanna touch upon the cast because the cast is excellent. All seasoned players and i know from what i've read that um you i believe knew india for a long time before this um well, actually yeah no no no. i uh, sorry to interrupt you yeah no actually i really had the pleasure of meeting her through the audition process all right i was aware of her work okay. um and and she was just extraordinary through the entire process and i think the end result is her her performance is just outstanding but no that was it was a new relationship yeah. well that's awesome so was this cast entirely through audition uh, yes, it was. Um, yeah, all the main key cast were. Mm -hmm. um, they. I was really fortunate. One of my dear friends, who's I think one of the foremost casting directors in the industry, John Papsadera, who um, you know again he works in much bigger worlds. He does all of Taylor Sheridan stuff and all those series and Chris Nolan and Sam Raimi and all that. But um, really has his finger on the pulse of young talent. We were looking for really that you know that young talent that that has that chops. I mean, it's a very actor-driven talent-driven character-driven piece so that's that's everything i mean that's the the backdrop the foredrop the you know everything is is through the lens of the actor's performances so we knew we needed that one of them to be there be a bond there and that we could believe that they're siblings and mm -hmm. that they're able to develop that and i thought think we felt that with that and um and the rest was all through the audition process the only person and i want to mention her because i'm, I'm obsessed with her and she's amazing um i have my own personal connection to it is um uh, the actress who played the um, the woman in the farmhouse, uh, Tess Harper, who's an uh -huh. Oscar-nominated actress. Yes. The whole old, old country, uh, no country for old men, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And she was in uh, Tender Mercies with Robert Duvall. Yep. Um, and uh, so I knew Tess before. Okay. And again, she's one of those people that you pop, she populates the world in the best way pop possible. And so uh, there was that. But yeah, I was really, really proud of the cast that came together for this because they're all like really wonderful actors. I mean, and you just, you know, what a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And they are. And I'm glad you brought up Tess because I've loved her for a long time. She's fantastic. But then also you just factor that with Treat Williams. You've got him. How did you get him on board? Well, um, again, that came through the suggestion of a relationship to his agent, uh, who was very supportive of the project. So we got very lucky there. And um, look, I mean, you know, the, the, the sad news is that Treat was unfortunately passed away and was killed in a motorcycle accident. Uh, just some months ago mm. um, so that was devastating I actually had spoken to him I'd stayed in really great contact with him spoken to him like a week or two before he passed away 
um, you know, that was shocking to us. I think the the only sort of good of any of it is that, you know, we found this way to really like kind of, um, you know, celebrate and honor his legacy through the film coming out. Um, we just had a, a wonderful experience at the Boston Film Festival. Sorry to sound like I'm blowing our own horn, but <laughs> you should though. Won, won, won a number of awards there and best yep. film and etc. And um, and they they gave a lifetime achievement award uh, posthumously, of course, but to to treat for his performance and also his body of work. And and his son was able to attend, and that was amazing. I, I had not met him. I heard a lot about him. Never met him in person. I got to and that and spent the weekend with him, and that was just amazing. So it really. You know, for a, a terribly tragic situation, um, it was you know what a blessing to to work with somebody like that who's a real legend, mm. and um, and, he, and he brought so much to the film and was so complimentary even going into it and and was just for me as a you know a, a, a kind of a newer filmmaker if you will, uh, although I look a little long in the tooth these days. All this great, what is all this gray <laughs> coming out of my beard? These days, um, it, it was really outstanding to get you know his sort of stamp of approval to be excited to be in the project. Yeah, awesome. And I mean, yeah, I, I he's someone we've talked about on our podcast a lot over the years. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, this was his final film. Yeah, you know, we're, we're at, as we understand it, this is what we were told. Yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah. I know it's you know one of his final films. I think it is. I think he did some other TV stuff that's kind of more in that streamer space. So that's how we understand it, what we've been told. But I'm not, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. That makes it all the more profound, though, because there is a moment in there where he ponders death in the film. And like that sent chills through my spine watching that, like one of his final moments, too, like on screen. Yeah, well, his character, and he plays this federal agent that's uh, chasing the kids. Yeah. And um, he was really an amalgamation of, of a number of different characters, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, but he represented that kind of more cynical voice about his perspective on the youth of today and, you know, um, you know, good and bad and law enforcement and society as a whole. And so he had a lot of very like sort of existential fatalist kind of, you know, um, ponderings uh, through the, uh, the character that he portrayed. And it really did resonate when you go back and look at it now and realize, you know, here's a really, you know, grounded character um, and, and, and you know, to know what happened to Treat and stuff and, and he's no longer with us is, mm. you know, it is, it's very shocking and, and, and impactful when you watch it again with, with that in mind, yeah. Completely, just adds a whole nother texture to it. Um, I'm going to circle back now to the technical stuff. Um, so, so much of the film is taking place inside a moving car that is on open roads in traffic at times. How do you direct that? Uh, the great question. I've had the fortune and even the new movie that I'm starting working on has a lot of what we call road work in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my film before this film had a lot of, it was a road trip movie. And this was for all intents and purposes, a road trip movie. I feel like I have a lot of that in my film. Um, and I don't know if that's because maybe in some latent way, and I should talk to my therapist about this. Am I always <laughs> like I'm wandering myself or something? I'm looking for something. I can't find it. Um, but all joking aside, uh, yeah, listen, it is technically, especially look, let's just be frank again. It's an indie film. It's a, it's a, you know, a lower budget film. You know, mm-hmm. we're not you know, working with what, all the bells and whistles of a Marvel film and all this. So we have to find clever ways. I had a wonderful crew that just had a plan and we executed that plan. Um, but no, we did. I and mean, I think it added to the realism in the sense we got the, I call them the kids, but the three siblings, mm-hmm. uh, the, the actors who played the siblings out on the open road. And we got a chance to just go and, kind of see America. I mean, we, we shot in Louisiana, 
uh, we shot in Louisiana and we shot a, a little bit in Texas and also in California. But we really got to go through that kind of deep, dirty south of it all and take that in and absorb it. And um, so from a technical standpoint, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, um, we, you know, you, you have to worry about the environment and, you know, making sure the cameras are stabilized, et cetera. And um, we, we were very fortunate to work with some really great and talented people that helped with all that and that we could, you know, we could get it done. Filming across all of that distance, though, does that like, is there a lot of red tape involved with all different county lines and different permits and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you want me to tell you the inside baseball of it all, like the inside scoop of it all? I mean, you're going to tell me you just did it all illegally and just, you know, <laughs> threw yeah, caution to the wind? I, I mean, there, there, was, there was a little bit of that, and I think that's the exciting part of what draws us as filmmakers yeah. and to be pirates and, you know, miscreants and <laughs> yep. circus barkers and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, look, I'm not, and I don't say I'm proud of that, but sure, well, of course, you do that, and that's kind of the exciting part because yep. we're like, you know, it goes back to like, oh, we're guerrilla filmmakers, here we go. <laughs> But we were, but but this is now going to take the air of what I just said. So we were really fortunate because we shot that particular stuff in Shreveport, Louisiana, and there's a wonderful um, military base or Army Reserve base that's for uh, training their transportation aspects. And you know, it's it's also contained. You can what we call kind of own the whole area. Um, so we worked with them, and we got to just run for miles and not have to worry about closing down roads and you know all these kind of things because it's you know very self-contained and also private in that way um so that helped a lot with that especially again i keep harping on this but for our i feel like i'm shouldn't be saying this but for our budget level you know you we, we couldn't we couldn't shut down you know city blocks mm. and do all these things but we were able to get in there and make it look like we were doing a lot for very little i like that you say that stuff because it just gives people a reason to appreciate the film so much more because it it, it does not look like your typical cheap movie it's a really mm. good looking film and you mentioned taylor sheridan before this is cut from the same cloth of a lot of what he does and i, I love that stuff i mean look that's a, a i mean look i'm feel just to, i don't even have a right to compare to that kind of stuff in <laughs> taylor's work but i mean I, I love that stuff i love that southern gothic feel i'm from the south myself um i'm, I'm such a southerner in deep south that i married an australian because that's <laughs> the south that you can get for us so, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm but no but so to me like a, a lot of the stories that i tell are very much immersed in that and based on that. And I think, um, you know, Taylor Sheridan in particular has, you know, he, he creates a, a world of that culture and that setting. And I, you know, look, I, I, I think not purposely necessarily, but I think, you know, my stuff you know, is kind of akin to that and cut from that cloth too. And I'm very inspired by his work. So yeah, I, I agree with that a thousand percent. Totally. Um, now, before I do wrap this up, I ask a lot of people this question, people that I talk to, what type of movies do you gravitate towards in your downtime when you're not making movies like that? I don't like calling them guilty pleasures because who should feel guilty about watching a movie? But where do you go? I don't want to give the canned answer, but I fucking love <laughs> movies. I really do. I was just talking to a friend about this. Today. I realized like, okay, my, not to say too much, but my background was not the best upbringing as a child, but movies like raised me even more than TV. I wasn't a big TV watcher, but I just was, a, I was one of those geeky guy and i still am i'm a complete geek i just love cinema i crave it i love movies i love the experience of going to the movie theater sitting there with other people that you you don't know but we're having this collective experience like all those things we all know and probably what we all love but so anything i mean like anything that's good or interesting or partially good but you can appreciate something or what was going on so i love all that stuff but i mean i love the greats i mean i love you know that that 70s filmmaking style and you go back to the coppolas and the early mm -hmm. scorseses and even spielberg and all that kind of stuff is just like it's what i cut you know it's what 
it's what inspired me as a kid. It's like I was in awe. It's like so all of that stuff is, you know, I mean, it's it's everything. And you know, in a way, I hope, uh, and I don't want to end on a downer note, but I hope we don't lose that. You know mm. what I mean? It's like there's still so many great stories. This is what I love about. So I'm allowed to talk about my humble, humble perspective on Australian filmmaking filmmakers is. I still feel like there's a real sensibility for that, and why、mm -hmm. I love Aussie filmmakers. I know it's a very blanketed statement, but I feel like it it does still have those kind of roots to, you know, even the filmmaking styles of, you know, the '70s in Australia, and even how that was occurring at the same time in the States. And I feel like Australian filmmakers, you know, have this really distinct voice that still comes through, that's unique,、mm -hmm. and that and they and it's been, they've been able to maintain. Obviously, there's. Amazing, huge filmmakers that have you know come from Australia, but like everything in between, even from an indie sensibility, if you will, or that kind of smaller space, there's still and that that's exciting to me. It's like there's so many people that have such great stories to tell, and that's personally what I love. That's why I want to try to do, and we all connect like that. So again, sorry for the kind of ambiguous answer. Like I'm not getting no, no, no. I just love it all. It's just incredible. <laughs> not not only are you talking my language, but you're talking the language of our listeners. So I'm sure that in and of itself will. Convince people to go and track your film down and watch it, and I hope they do. But thank you so much for taking time out to、oh, chat. It's awesome chatting. I could probably go on another two hours if I'm being honest. Oh man, anytime. I would love to talk to you. You've been incredible. You're super dope to talk to too. So thank you and thank you for your time. It means a lot. Thank and you. And let's get you back on when your next film comes out. I can't wait. I can't listen. That one is、um, very special. So,、uh, and we have an incredible cast. So yeah, I look forward to. I'd love to stay in touch. So thank you. Let's do it. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size, and this week we're talking about crime sprees, Kappa. <laughs> What is going on with your voice? It sounds like you're drowning. Well, probably. I, I, I have a little bit of the Halloween candy. I put a piece of Hershey in my mouth. I, oh, that that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Australia has better chocolate than America. Why? What makes you think that? Because American chocolate sucks ass. You don't even like fireworks. I don't need to say anymore. What's so, your crime spree movie? <laughs> well, my crime spree movie is a guy that kills a lot of people. I guess that's crime. We were welcome back. It's like you talk about mass murders or crime sprees or whatnot. But I actually one of mine is is I want to talk about 1968's Targets, given to us by Peter Bogdanovich, released by Paramount Pictures. A lot of it comes from Corman, and it stars, stars Boris Karloff, and he plays an aging B movie actor who basically ends up. Uh, throughout his day, in front of this guy named Bobby Thompson, played by Kim O'Kelly, who's killed his wife and his mother, and he goes on a brutal shooting spree. It's basically a knockoff of several things that were going off on in America at that time. And what they did was is they used some movie footage that they'd already shot for Corman, so that they could do this low budget. Bogdanovich had worked for Corman, and it's still an interesting picture. It works so well in so many different le levels.、Um, the great Sam Fuller actually helped Bogdanovich get the screenplay in order so that they could make it work, and he refused to take credit. I don't know if a lot of people know that or not. That's one of them. But if you've never seen Targets, check it out. It's actually probably it's right up there with、uh, the Body Snatcher of one of my top two or three of Boris Karloff's performances. I'll I'll go ahead. I, you know, I I I had a hard time with this because I like caper films, but usually it's about one event. So I didn't want to pick any of my those type of crimes. So I had to go with murder as well. Oh, you feel bad for liking him, but by the end of it, you kind of root for him. At least I do, which probably says something about me. The Devil's Rejects. 
like they get to the people. end and you have seen everything they've done, but when 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 Freebird starts to play, man, you just hope maybe maybe they'll somehow get by. And then there was that follow up that said they did, and I regretted hoping they got by. Devil's Rejects a, is such a good movie, though, and I and, agree. It, and it is all about killing and crime sprees and a hunt for them and vengeance on the part of the law that wants to get them, which makes them is what makes them oddly sympathetic by the end because the people out to get them are just as brutal as they are. Quite right. There's really no good people. Maybe the mom where he steals her clown car for official official clown yeah. business. I mean, <laughs> that may be it. I mean, it's you don't. You like don't tell clowns. me why you don't like clowns. I'll mm. come back and kill your whole family. Whole yeah. family. We'll edit that. The Australians don't use uh, bad language. So I'm going to talk about a movie. So I disagree with you all. You're going to talk, <laughs> you're you're going to talk about, about a movie? Yeah, um, uh, you, you sure. I had no transition. I am, to, I am going to talk about a movie that is about uh, 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 something that happens in one night, but it is over-encompassing of several different things happening at one time. I am going to talk about 1991's The Taking of Beverly Hills, starring Ken <laughs> Wall and Matt Frewer, and also not to mention Robert Davies, Harley Jane Kozak, Ly Lyman Ward, Michael Bowen. Now you're just reading the IMDb. I am, but these are all people, character actors, that if you look them up and you go, oh, it's that guy. Did You only needed to say Matt Frewer and Robert yeah. Davey. So Ken Wall is a quarterback who is in Beverly Hills uh, celebrating his wins, and Matt Frewer is just a, a, a cop that nobody cares about. And then all of a sudden, a chemical leak happens in the town of Beverly Hills and everybody has to evacuate. But what we don't, what the people don't know is that this chemical spill is fake and all these different, and all these henchmen and villains are coming to steal all the gold and all the jewels that are in Beverly Hills. What? And it's all about, and all that's left is Ken Wall and Matt Frewer to stop them. It is a great movie. It's only an hour and a half, you all. It's one of those movies that kind of got forgotten in the early 90s just because it, it flew underneath the radar. You rewatched uh, this late recently, right? Oh, yeah. I just, I bought the, yeah, I bought it. You bought it, bought it? Yeah. Physical media. Fuck I just so, remember liking the soundtrack. I loved the movie when I was a kid and I watched it back and I admittedly go, you know, it's not as great as it was. When I was a kid, but I still loved it. It's still, it's still, it's still just an entertaining well, film. Chad, I so, think actually the film stayed the same. It's you that changed. Yes. <gasps> oh my God, that is so poignant. All y'all can go to hell in this segment. Kidneys. <laughs> That's been Bonehead Weekly Funsies. Oh, I said it like a dumbass. <laughs> you did. You know, last week, Ben, we recommended 40 films on the show. And if you actually count Melzy, Jarrett and the Boneheads, it's over 50 recommendations on the one episode. You'd think that we'd be plum-tuckered out of our recommendations by now. I just hope that uh, everyone who listens has watched every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are we well, here for? you got for? one tick from me. You got one... Yeah, that's what we, we know, got one, one. But that was from the week before. Down. I think that was from... Was that from last week? Or was that from <laughs> no, the no, week last before? Week. Oh, no, it was last, last week. week. <laughs> See, she knows what she's on about. Yeah. I don't. I, I remember that it was Jarrett's. Jarrett was talking about it. I just couldn't yeah. remember. Uh, yeah. When when we had that conversation, I think it's safe to say we don't get tired of recommending movies. No, look. What's the point of being a movie nerd if you can't? Uh, <laughs> you know. And look, the the truth of the matter is, if we weren't recording now, we'd be talking like this anyway. Yeah. Just. Melzi, I'm going to throw it to you first. What do you recommend this week? Okay. Well, after all that whole uh, preamble, um, this has probably been the most difficult that I have had in having a like a movie to recommend, basically because I've been 
Nazi. And nothing that I've watched is really, I've probably talked a bit about them anyway. And also I'm going, some of the things I'm going to be showing for screening, so I don't want to give it away. But um, I, and then of course I talked about a few movies last week. But I, so today, quickly, very early in the morning, I jumped on and watched something, been meaning to watch for a long time, uh, Reuben Guthrie. Oh, the Aussie one. Yeah, the Aussie one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, starring Patrick Brammel, who I love. um, (laughs) Who's in everything. (laughs) Yes. Written and directed by Brendan Cowell, Aussie film 2015. It's about... um, Basically, a cockhead <laughs> like he works very high up in ben advertising. The movie. <laughs> he is, um, you know, award-winning. Um, he's not a Hollywood like I mean, kind of a, in the vein of like a Hollywood type of person. Um, and he, his life is a party. He's got like a, you know, he, oh, he's meant to be 29, but I don't know how he's passing for 29. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I bet there was a little bit of this in that. Yeah. A little cover in the mouth. <laughs> 29. <laughs> we can't see Melzi um, right now, but I bet she's doing that. He's got like a, you know, a, a 20 year old model, model girlfriend who ends up leaving him because he, he's, you know, they're having one like celebratory party and he jumps off the roof and breaks his arm and. She says to him, if you go sober for one year, you'll, you know, like come and find me overseas or whatever. So it's a story of him battling staying sober for a year. Mm. And I, this is why I I find it a bit difficult to really recommend. I recommend it. I definitely recommend it. It's an Aussie film. Patrick Brammel's awesome. Alex Dimitriades steals the show. He's friggin' hilarious in it. I think I have a bit of a hard time with um, alcohol-related things. Um, so some of it I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know what sort of message that it's really putting out there. Um, but, yeah, but it's quite enjoyable. Excellent. I'm guessing, so, have either of you seen it? No, no. it's one I, I I know very well of, but I just, it's on it's on stand. I've got um, it on DVD or Blu-ray somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't got to it. Um, but it's a, it's an easy film to watch and and quite enjoyable. I don't know. You should watch. Awesome. What you, we'll definitely do yeah. that. I've yeah. um I've gone down the Aussie route as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I told you about this one as well. There's a new documentary on Netflix called Last Stop Larimer. You did tell me about it. It is a true crime doco. It's an American doco. It was made for HBO Max. Is that what they call it over there? HBO Max? I think that's the new... Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Netflix here have picked it up. It is a feature-length documentary that Netflix have happened to break into two episodes, which I found kind of ludicrous. I don't know why you would do that. But it is um, a story unlike any other. It takes place in this very tiny town of Larimer, population uh, 12, I think it is, or 11. It's my kind of town. But... One of them gets murdered. So then you've got like 11 suspects or 10 suspects. It's like an egg oh, of a wow. Christie story. And it is... Um, and then there were none. The interesting in thing about this one is that they've got so much archival footage of this town from before the murder of the guy that was murdered. So like a, it might have been a, like an ABC camera crew had gone there for some other reason to talk about it being a small town, predominantly mm-hmm. like... Um, Anglo-Saxon community with no Indigenous you know, people there, yet it's so close to Darwin and Catherine. 
And so they've got this guy that was murdered on camera. And it's just fascinating because you suddenly realise that this town of, you know, what, 10 or 11 people, they're not as tight-knit as you would think and they've all got secrets and they practically mm. hate each other. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> then they start to unravel yeah. what could have happened to this guy. But I would imagine that the Carlton United Brewery loves them. <laughs> well, the, the pub is central <laughs> to the yeah. film. Like The pub is the focus of the film. And I'm not going to say anything else about this story other than definitely check it out, but... The possibilities of what happened, like you pretty much have a, an outcome at the end. You know more or less what's happened. But mm. there are some things that could have also happened that they put out there to think about that are just the stuff of Hollywood legend. Like it really is hard to dive cool. into without giving any spoilers away. But the characters in this are incredible. There was only one person in town that refused to be on camera. But the camera crew filmed him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't talk. Um, and they are just as ochre as you can get. But, yeah, look, it's a colourful, hilarious, scary documentary that I highly recommend called Last Stop Larimer, Murder in the Outback. Oh, fascinating. Nice. It is so good. Ben, your turn. My turn. Look, I, I actually got through a lot of films uh, this week, surprisingly. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that meme. Um, but I think, I think I'm look. It's it's got nothing to do with the theme of the show or anything like that. But I want to go back, get back to my roots, and recommend. And I hadn't seen. I didn't realize it was on YouTube. Is it's been like a, a grail film for me to find <laughs> because it never got released here in Australia. But I finally tracked it down. It is Jim Wynorski's 1989 classic Transylvania twist. And I did immediately yeah. when I was. Like I think I was like ten minutes through it, and I didn't realize you'd seen it. Mm. And I, my first, I just texted you, "You've got to watch this. <laughs> you would fucking love it." I'm still going to watch it again because you sent me the link and said you got to yeah. watch this. I had it on VHS, and I don't know what happened to it. it was, I picked it up in Canada. Maybe I left it in Canada, but yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically Jim Wynorski's kind of Dracula. Is I, kind of the best way. To I didn't know it. he directed it either when you said yeah, it to right. me. I know the film, but didn't know it was his. And it does. And look, the, the opening of the film is this is like a young kind of Red Riding Hood type walking through the forest, and then she gets stalked by basically Leatherface, uh, Jason, and Michael Myers, and they all together, all three of them, and they track her into like she runs into a cave, and they follow her in, and then there's like some crashing and banging, and she comes out and like wipes blood off her face, and there's like amateurs, like that's the kind of uh, you know. I think it may be. Did she do the twist? She doesn't do the twist, but mm. Pinhead also turns up in it later on, and he's. But the it's like a com it's like a comedy horror. The yeah. joke with Pinhead is like you know you, I don't know what care what people say. This these pins are uncomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty. Funny. I do remember that. Oh my god! But it's basically this um, Terry Copley uh, stars in it, and she uh, plays uh, Marissa Orlock, who uh, whose um, estranged father uh, dies and leaves her. And she gets summoned. She gets summoned to his castle in Transylvania, the Orlock, the Orlock family uh, castle, and like her kind of her kind of boyfriend tags along for the ride. And there, when she gets there, her uncle is already taken up residence, and her uncle is played by Robert Vaughan from Man from Uncle, and he's got three. <laughs> 
three lovely vampire daughters played by Winorski regulars, Tony Naples, uh, Becky LeBeau and uh, Monique Gabrielle. It's all coming back to me because he dresses up like classic Dracula yeah. with the red cave. Like. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it's just like a really fun... There's, there's a bunch of musical numbers where they make fun of the fact that there are musical numbers yeah. in the musical numbers. <laughs> uh, Ace Mask, another Winorski regular, plays the Van Helsing type character. It, it's just... it's. It's just so much fun. Like it is that kind of eighties, kind of um, you know, mockumentary style comedy, kind of cool. kind of you know, director video drive-in kind of kind of uh, you know, Jim you know, film that Jim Wynorski was kind of famous for. What a shame you couldn't put that on last week's list. I, it, look, yeah, it would have gone on there. Surely, it definitely got on there. It reminded me of um, there's another. Movie with all the mon- the classic monsters, not Monster Squad, but they're all played by little people. You know what that was? And what's that, <laughs> no. that little person you know? Is it um, Billy Barty? No, no, the one from um, Bordello of Blood right at the start. Oh, Phil Fondacaro. Yes, Phil Fondacaro, I think, plays Dracula or something like that. Yeah, it might be a Charles Band production, but it's, it's all of the classic Universal monsters played by little people. That sounds like a great movie. <laughs> yes. like, I may even add the DVD, but it's definitely somewhere on, like, maybe. Prime or that, something. That reminds me of another movie that I have to watch, which is the <laughs> Under the Rainbow, which is the you know oh yes the <laughs> making of Wizard of Oz. That's terrifying. With, with all of the running a muck in running a muck in the hotel. Yeah, all the little people. And they had to like <laughs> issue a public apology for that film, I think, because they're all like horn dogs. Yeah, but the director has there's a documentary about it, and the director's come out saying that it is the one regret of my career making that movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, because like, <laughs> the backlash came thick and fast then, not you no know, now. now. Yeah. Anyway. But it was based on an actual, like, he's not embellishing things. Like, that's kind of, <laughs> oh, well, they were notorious they, on the, I mean, I, he was. I think but, they did, yeah. But they were, it was a It was a big, I remember, I remember hearing something about Judy Garland saying that the, you know, she was being con- con- constantly harassed. sexually harassed by the, <laughs> by the, the lollipop guild <laughs> in the film. They were very handsy. Mm. The midgets. I don't. I mean, sorry, the little people. Yeah, we're going to get in trouble. Melzy, oh, yes. Do you have anything to add oh. before Ben <laughs> wraps up the show? <laughs> I thought you'd made a mistake. I thought no. you were like, did I talk I so, so long that you'd forgotten Melzy had already done her recommendation? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't make so me don't I'm... make me recommend another one. I was struggling <laughs> enough with that one. <laughs> no, no, we're about to wrap the show up, and I uh, just wondered if you want to add anything. Oh, I'll see you next month. All right. Get on the Discord. <laughs> get on the Discord. Get on the socials. Get on the. The website and the emails and find out what the Melbourne Horror Film Society is doing. That's about it. Do I'll it. i watch some more stuff by next month. Oh, it's 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 nearly my favourite time. Of, well, actually, it's a toss-up between whether Halloween or <laughs> the Christmas festive horror time is my favourite time. But Well, yeah. we, we're going to have to dust off that old um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. Hell yeah. Toymaker. Hell yeah! <laughs> we were texting about it the other night, weren't we, Glenn? So we must be getting in the mood. <laughs> yep. Every year without fail. Without fail. <laughs> Thanks. I actually forgot to watch Hubie Halloween on, on Halloween, so I'm going to have to make up for that. You will. At Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. We need a Hubie Christmas movie. Yes. Oh, he could be the new Ernest. <laughs> be so good. He can go to camp. He can go to jail. Oh, there's other places he can go too. Um, all right. Does, thanks. Does, should Ruben watch Hubie Halloween? Yes. Yes. He, yes. Yeah, okay. Because he loved, um, what do you want to call it, that his dad said that I looked like with my haircut. 
<laughs> little, oh, Nikki. little Nikki. Little Nikki. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, love that. Sorry. It's um, it's cut from the same cloth as Little Nikki yeah, and Waterboy. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Malzy. Thanks for having me. Ben's gonna uh, take us out. I am. Look, as I said earlier, I did manage to get through a lot of films this week, and I, I finally caught up on my Guy Ritchie, which is great. <laughs> yep. I watched uh, Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre, which was which was great, and The Covenant. And I actually, as a companion piece to, to Covenant, which is the which is Guy Ritchie's kind of um, movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal about a, a soldier who kind of has to go who escapes a, like a near death experience in Afghanistan, but then has to go back to save the interpreter who saved his life mm-hmm. uh, from the Taliban. Um, and I watched Kandahar, Kandahar, the um, the Gerard Butler version, <laughs> yes. pretty much of the same. This, it's not really the same story, but it's close enough. They're very... And if you know me, I I do not watch... I have no real interest in watching war in Iraq type mm-hmm. war in, a, in the Middle East kind of movies. I'm just It's just not my, my bag. If I'm going to go and watch a <laughs> war movie, it's going to be World War Two. Longest wrap-up ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did watch... I did watch The Covenant and as much as... And I didn't really rate the film too much, but there is a song that plays <laughs> through the credits... That has been with me ever since, and that is the song we're going to play now. I assume because you didn't actually confirm that it was a, it, that it came through. We're good. It is uh, Alex Ebert's "Truth." Oh, oh, is it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Everything shining, and your darkness is shining. 